3: Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.
4: Ever given? That's a big deal. Just like those at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Hey, did you know when the year ends, so do the deals? It's your journey. Own every mile at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Sign and drive a 2024 Hyundai Palisade with zero down, zero first month's payment, and zero security deposit. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offer ends January 2nd. Call 562-314-4603 for details. Hey, you know, people talk about spreading holiday cheer. Overrated. I had
0: some holiday cheer last year, and you know what? Lasted a couple of hours. Then whoosh, we'll gone, just like that. However, spreading holiday comfort with Skechers. Now, that's something your loved ones will enjoy long after the New Year. Because Skechers has footwear for the whole family. They'll be the most comfortable, stylish holiday gifts under the tree. To start, there's hands-free Skechers slippers. You just step into them, and they're on. You don't need to bend down to touch your shoes. Find hands-free Skechers slippers at a Skechers store, Skechers.com, or wherever stylish footwear is sold. Don't miss out on new deals every day at Lowe's. Right now, get can't miss deals on appliances. Get up to 30% off, plus save up to an extra $750 on select major appliances. And buy now, pay later with Lowe's Pay to help balance your budget because Lowe's knows deals every day. through 1220. Appliance savings vary based on purchase amount. Exclusions apply. While supplies last.
3: Selection varies by location. See Lowe's.com for details. Subject to credit approval.
2: Dell's holiday event is one of their biggest sales of the year. Shop limited-time deals
0: on laptops like the stylish, innovative XPS 13, engineered to do it all on the Intel Evo platform. Plus, save big on ultra-sharp monitors and top-brand accessories.
2: It's the perfect time to upgrade any home, business, or gaming setup. Powered by Intel Core processors. Shop now at dell.com deals to take advantage of huge savings and free
4: shipping on everything. Again, that's dell.com slash deals.
5: It's 2 p.m. in Memphis, Giannotto and Jeffrey time. Get off the fence, live on Memphis' sports station, 92.9 FM,
4: ESPN. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the Giannotto and Jeffrey show. We're coming to you live from Memphis, Tennessee. My name is Jeffrey Wright. You can follow me on Twitter at JWright929ESPN. It's Monday, so it's overreaction Monday. We'll get thoughts about the Tigers big win. They have officially entered the AP poll. They've re-entered the coaches poll. So for those that were out there fretting about whether or not the Tigers would indeed be ranked today. They are indeed ranked. Tomorrow night, John Morant returns. We'll also get Mark here on the program to get his thoughts from the weekend that was. Jason Munn's going to join us here in about 35 minutes or so. We'll continue the Tiger conversation with Munz when he joins the program. Second hour, we'll get into a Week 15 NFL recap. Didn't watch primetime, but I watched all the games, and I made notes from the games. So I wanted to get into my thoughts from Week 15. We'll also get into the list. We'll tell your story, and then we will get out of here. But now let's welcome to the program, the Commercial Appeal's lead sports columnist. The lead sports columnist of the number one sports section in the state of Tennessee. top three sports columnist in the state of Tennessee, barely. Tied for eighth, best sports columnist in the United States of America. He's on Twitter on X at MGNOTTO. Mark, good day, sir. Uh, how are you? Cold. Cold. Is it cold and sweet? It, it, yeah. It's cold and uh It was so cold today that I was like, I'm getting soup. We had a soup well, day. Is,
0: is, is it normal? Like, was this normal in Memphis when you were growing up that you got off the week before? Like, usually when I was in school, you didn't get off school until, like, we would finish out this week, and then we'd get off school for winter break
4: but my kid's school is off this whole week. Is that normal in Memphis? I feel like with it being a Monday Christmas, the, it throws everything off. I feel like the sweet spot of when we used to always, uh, we would always be all, we'd always finish around the 18th. So I guess, yeah, today, yeah. Okay, yeah. So, yeah,
0: that's why I'm not in studio. I'm on I'm on kid duty because they've got no school today. So uh have been chasing them around, but luckily they are uh, – cooperating long enough for me to I mean,
4: I would say traditionally when you've got a Monday Christmas and a Monday New Year's, that was always the worst for school because that usually meant, like, you were headed back to school January 2nd. And there's just something yeah. about that that day after New Year's Day. You're like, oh, man, this is, like, we couldn't really stretch this out to, like, the 4th, the 5th. No chance. <laughs> yeah, well, um, so I am uh, – it's,
0: it's going to be an interesting week because – uh it is a busy week for sports uh in memphis that's for sure and uh it was a busy weekend for sports too <laughs> so it was it was a lot of fun that that game on saturday was a lot of fun like a lot of fun uh the clemson memphis game it was one of the more enjoyable games to that i like to cover in recent memory for me not like the greatest game it was a really good game and i like the greatest game but i just I the whole time I was sitting there going, "Man, this is this is a great
4: game. This is fun to cover." Yeah, my first overreaction was, "Man, big game environments are still the best." Yeah, yeah, no, it was a good one. At you know, I don't know if it was
0: better than the Houston game at the end of last year, just because there were a few more people at that one. But it was a really good environment on Saturday. I thought uh, inside FedEx Forum, and um, just like I said, just a really good game. You were just watching, going these are two teams that are going to be in the NCAA tournament and two teams that, you know, if they make it to the
4: Sweet 16, you'd be like, okay. Like, both of them look like very good teams. I think the thing that struck me the most about Saturday, A, uh, the environment. Like, it it is just – it's fun to see big games. And it's also fun to see, like, big games at home because it feels like those are getting fewer and far between. And so uh, that was, I thought, cool to see. The other thing that I – my other kind of overreaction was – and it's, it's prime for reaction, man, these Tigers feel different because I felt like there were multiple opportunities to kind of let the moment get to them, especially when you consider this team hasn't been together very long. Even though that it's, an, uh, it's by age, it's an old, experienced team, but they're not old and experienced together. I was very impressed at the lack of panic that I saw from the Tigers. I never felt like, yeah, they missed shots, but I never felt like the moment got too big for them. And the reality is, if they just if they go
0: seven of twenty six from three point range, which is like still not good, they win that game so going it's away. It's about it's about what uh, Clemson went. Yeah, like they, they win that game going away. I mean, they were the better team. I mean, I thought ultimately, you know. The way I described it, you know, we keep talking about this season in the context of the goal is, and Penny has said this, and I think the whole fan base has said this, and I think more so than ever, they feel it. Like the goal this year is to get to the second weekend of the NCAA tournament and see where you can go from there. Um, and that felt like a round of 32 game at FedEx Forum the other day. Like that's the type of game you're going to have to win to go to the end to go to the Sweet 16. And I thought the difference was. Ultimately, you know, yes, um, you know, PJ Hall was was pretty good um, in that game, and especially during that stretch of time where Memphis, just, you know, played him one on one, he dominated. Um, but Memphis had the better guards. Like Clemson's guards weren't as good as Memphis's, and that was the difference. And that tends to be the difference in March when you have good guards. Um, and with you know, I like I know Joe, David Jones is six six, and he rebounds and does all these other things. But on offense, I view him as a guard. And, like, with him and Quinterly, when they're playing at this level, um, and then it feels like you've got all these nice role players around them, whether it was, you know, down low, Malcolm and Jordan just making hustle play after hustle play. You know, Jaquan Walton hasn't been able to hit the broad side of a barn lately, uh, but is still finding some, you know, subtle ways to contribute. You know, and, and, and I do agree with Penny. Eventually, he's going to hit some of these open threes he's getting. Um, and, you know, like Caleb Mills didn't even play that well. Walton, as I just mentioned, didn't really play that well. And they still you know, they still beat an undefeated Clemson team that I think is going to finish, you know, pretty high up in the ACC this year. Uh, and I think it was, you know, even Jones really only played, you know, he, he played well in the second half. He didn't have a great first half. Um, but with Jones and Quinterly, I thought they were the difference down the stretch, um, having having that great guard play. It just felt like um, you just you saw it all play out. You know the way Penny probably you know dreamed it up when he was putting this team together. That was like, yes, they were experienced, yes, they were talented, but they were also scrappy as hell. Like they, you know, they wore down Clemson. Uh, in that game. And it was, you know, it's everything Penny has talked about. You know, yes, he's bringing in these transfers, but his goal is to get him to buy in and, you know, really do this for Memphis and do it the Memphis way. And I thought in that game on Saturday, that's what you saw play out. And, oh, by the way, a player who would have been really helpful was sitting about five rows up in the crowd, Naquan Tomlin, who's going to join the team soon. And it feels like when you watch that game, you go, okay, I see where he slots in immediately, you know, like they could have used him on PJ hall in that game. Um, and, uh, and so it it does feel like something special is brewing with the, with, with Memphis basketball right now. They're eight and two. They've got all these good wins. Um, and you know, I think, you know, UVA is not some juggernaut, you know, I know they're ranked two, but you know, they're not some juggernaut. You, you, you emerge from this week with wins over UVA and Vanderbilt I mean, I'd make the argument only like there's maybe Purdue and who else has a better resume than the Tigers if that happens. I don't know.
4: Um, UConn's got a pretty good one, building a pretty good yeah. one. Um, but I mean, I
0: did mean, did you see the? So it's interesting because when you look at these metrics, you know, like they moved up a little bit in Ken Palm, moved up a little bit in the net. I think they're up at, up to thirty four in the net, but. I don't know if you saw this, both the RPI, which, again, they don't use anymore, and then the KPI, which they do, which the, um, which the uh, committee does see the KPI rating of each of these teams. But they're results-based metrics, not kind of, you know, Ken Palm. And, and uh, Ken Palm's predictive, and the net, you know, incorporates margin of victory and things like that. But these results-based ones, both of them have Memphis number three in the country. Um, based on the results that they've gotten this year, um, which is pretty darn impressive to me.
4: Yeah, when you look at, I mean, ESPN's analytics, like they do, like a strength of your record to so like what would an average team do against your record, and Memphis is sitting at you know eleven, and yeah. you know, that translates to roughly a three seed, and so uh, yeah, I mean, that, that's that's largely how I feel. I guess the one thing I'd push back a little bit on is, yes, I didn't feel like the Tigers shot the ball well. Mm-hmm. But I hesitate to say like they didn't play well, like they did not shoot well. But I was very impressed by the poise, particularly when it felt like that game was getting a little chaotic. Like, man, the team that came up with the empty possessions was Clemson, not not the Tigers. Like, yes, they were not making shots, but I thought they, they still got did good looks. I thought they, they still got good looks, and I thought they made winning basketball plays.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely, and like you know. That play, those couple plays by Malcolm in the second half the yeah. one where he chased down the ball along the sideline and then the with about a minute left, where I think it was like under 40, but he came out and hedged the pick and roll and chased the guard for Clemson all over the court and yeah. so ultimately stumbled, you know, lost the, the shot ball, the shot, shot clock shot violation. violation. Yeah, yeah. And he dove on the floor, too. It was like, Jesus, where, you know, this, this is a different Malcolm Dandridge very clearly. And, uh... So it was just it was a it was a great moment for the program. Um and just like I said, a really fun basketball game to watch. Like a high level basketball game it felt like. I know there were like you put it, there were missed shots, but like that just felt like two good teams going at it and uh and and you're right, Memphis showed a lot, I think, in how they handled all that. I mean, they're down seven at halftime. They fell behind eleven what was it, what was it, eleven one to start the game or something like that. Um
4: and they never oh, and didn't they, I felt like they gave up like they gave up two monster runs. Like it was like a seventeen two run and Well and then they answered it was they
0: both teams just went back and forth. Yeah. One would go you know, they one would go on a run, then the other would answer. Um and uh so it just felt like uh, yeah, just a big moment uh for Penny Hardaway in the program just because you know, I asked him after the game, I said, I know you said the other day like he said before the game, like he thinks of Caleb Mills and Quinterly were playing better at the beginning of the year. Uh, they'd be undefeated right now, and I was like, "I know you said that, but like, you know, I imagine you—if you—if I told you you'd be eight and two after ten with this schedule, you would have taken that." And he was like, "Yeah, he, he basically said I'd be crazy to say I wouldn't take that." Um, but the reality is, this team he feels like, and I think I kind of agree with him based on the fact that they're going to add. A quality big man to the roster here in the next days. You can ask Munns for more specifics on how that's trending in terms of will he be available tomorrow, Saturday, and Vanderbilt, I'm not sure, with Tomlin. But then also, like again, like Caleb Mills and Jaquan Walton are proven college basketball players who didn't even play that well in that game the other day. You know, and um, you went four of 26 from three point range. Like there's. Um, there's room to grow here. And uh that's why I think people are so excited because they're they're a really good team right now, and I think there's still another level for them to get to. And that other level I think will put them in the mix, you know, with you know, the you know, I think there's a decent chance when we get to March you can go, they're one of the ten or fifteen teams that have a chance to go to the final four. You know? I, I think they're cap I think they have that capability. I don't know if they'll get there. But I think that's something you can dream about based on what they've done through these first ten games.
4: Yeah, I mean, I I think at this point it's like, you know, this is this is a team. To me, the other thing that like really stood out about the environment on Saturday, when you use the example of the Houston game from last year, and mm-hmm. yeah, the you know the attendance was announced bigger that that game. I I thought the crowd was awesome on Saturday. Like, I, it felt like an intense, awesome environment. But the big thing that stood out to me is that game for Memphis didn't feel like do or die. And I think that's the other thing about some of these, you know, Houston games that we keep referencing. It's like because the Tigers have kind of farted around during the year, it doesn't – like it feels like those games have just taken on this insane, like survive and advance atmosphere. The thing that I thought was so fun about Saturday was it's like you didn't have to have that game. Like – it All it does was it was padding your resume rather than like becoming your resume well and for all intents and purposes it was it was that
0: team's introduction to a real Memphis crowd and a real Memphis crowd's introduction to that team because they'd fit, yeah you know they'd played two home games uh two home games and two exhibition games like you know and there was you know the building was pretty empty because it was bad opponents in the beginning of the year, and then they went a month without playing a home game like it was it was the first time both the fans and the players got to really, truly experience one another. And then, you know, now it sets up tomorrow night against UVA, a kind of a weird 6 p.m. start. But, you know, I don't know if it'll be able to match a 2 p.m. Saturday crowd. You know, that's conducive to having a big crowd. But I think it'll be another good crowd tomorrow um, and another interesting matchup, I think, for Memphis in terms of, I think, You know, you heard after the game Brad Brownell from Clemson basically said, like, they tired us out by the end of the game. Like, it was, like, exact – like, when Penny was told that, he, like, smirked because that is, like – that is exactly what he wants. He wants to wear you down with the pressure defense, the strength and numbers. And, ultimately, Clemson was only playing seven, eight guys. And their two bigs especially just got tired by the end of the game and weren't effective towards the end of the game. Um, But – I think UVA is going to be, and 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 I think Memphis kind of dictated the tempo ultimately in that game the other day. Um, I don't know if they're going to be able to do that against UVA. Like UVA just, UVA won't allow it. Like Tony Bennett won't allow it. And you're like, I I think. Um, And so that that's going to be an interesting dynamic tomorrow because I think they're going to have to slog it out more tomorrow. I still think they can win because I think they have the better overall team. In terms of top to bottom talent, but um well, I mean, EVA is
4: just such a unique test.
0: Yes, they're going to now. How do I say if they are? They are going to make them hit outside so That The pack line defense is designed to say we are going to give up the three pointer, and if you can make it, like good for you. you know. But we are not going to give up second chance opportunities and we are not going to give up driving lanes to the basket. That is what the pack line defense is. Um, and so, going four of 26 will probably be more problematic against UVA than it was against Clemson from three-point range.
4: No, I, I think that's definitely the case. I mean, you're definitely going to have to hit more shots. I mean, it's also going to be interesting to see, you know, are you going to be able to frustrate uh, I, I felt like memphis really exposed clemson's lack of athleticism because yeah I, I thought their pressure defense was i thought it gave clemson a lot of problems there's gonna be a different caliber
0: you saw in that game why clemson could be really good in march because yep. pj hall really is a like i think he's an nba player i don't know if he's a, like i think he's like a backup big in the nba but he's like pretty good um, but you also saw, like, they just didn't have a good per- they, their perimeter players were not that good. Yeah. Um, and so, and now I think, I mean, UVA's got Reese Beekman, who's an NBA level perimeter player. So they right there, they have a better guard than anyone. He's he's kind of like a wing, but he's a guard slash wing. Better better than anyone Clemson could throw out there. Um, so that that will be uh, that'll be interesting. But I you know I mean this this Memphis team's got a lot of different. Weapons and things they can do and things they can throw at you, and that'll especially be the case, I think, when they add Tomlin. Now, you know, again, I'd be I'd be surprised if he's plays t- tomorrow. Uh, I guess I shouldn't say play. I'd be surprised if he has like some sort of big role tomorrow. Yeah, uh, that seems really uh, <laughs> that would seem really uh, fast. Uh, but maybe he plays, um, and you know, and maybe he's on the bench. I don't know.
4: No, I, I, I tend to agree with you. I mean, I think the other thing that was that was kind of fascinating to watch is oftentimes the the fan base, when games get tight, the fans can get tight. I don't know if it's like this team is, is changing how fans feel, but it's like I, just, I never since like despite it being a game that I felt like just consistently stayed within single digits the entire second half, one way or the other. Like, I never felt like the game, like, in the crowd got tight. I just felt like it was intense.
0: Well, it's funny. When, when, who was it? Was it Mills who missed the two free throws yes. at the very end? Yeah. When he missed those, I'll say this it would have gotten tight, but, but to Memphis's credit, they had been drilled, or Penny had told them during the free throw. Like, they quickly knew the fact wow, yeah. right away. And so there wasn't even a chance to get nervous. I remember sitting there going, oh, because, like, the, you, could make, you could have made the argument on the possession before when they were up by three, and, you know, Clemson calls the timeout and they got a set play, and it ended up being, like, you know, I thought Quinterly did a great job making sure Joe Girard didn't catch the ball. Didn't, you know, like, they were going to – he sold out. It was like, if someone's going to get this ball for a three-pointer, it's not going to be Joe Girard. And then they ended up getting it to P.J. Hall, and Walton did a – I think it was Walton did a great job kind of walling up and – just yeah, I mean, they, it, the, the, I there. thought
4: Hall Hall took the shot probably too quickly, but I know what he was thinking, which is they probably were going to foul. And so it was like, I've got the ball. I'm squared up. I'm going to let it fly. Like, I don't know if it was the best shot, but it was like a clean enough look. Uh, yeah. Uh, also, I
0: thought they could have fouled there on that possession throw line.
4: I think that was probably going to be the plan, but, like, I give Clemson credit, like, they, they, it felt like Hall was, I don't know, option three maybe on that play. And it's I think like it
0: was Brownell said it was, it was Gerard was one and then Hall was two. So, like that, that
4: is, yeah. And, it, but it just felt like he got the ball and it felt like he even rushed the shot, but it's like he knew that was, that was their best chance to get, like, to get a look. And so he took it. And, you know, I mean, I, like get it all just kind of really boiled down to like what we're saying. Like, Memphis Memphis felt like every time like they had to make a defensive play, like they got they they avoided letting Gerard take the shot. You know, they force it out at you know, don't even let him get the ball in his hands. And it's just I don't know. I, I was just impressed I was impressed at the composure and the poise the entire second half.
0: Yeah. No, it was a it was a great win and a great day and really sets the table for you know, it just feels like it feels like you know, it. The way I phrased it is, it feels like they're closer to breaking through in the college basketball's yeah. elite again, as they've they're as close as they've been since Calipari left. That's what it feels like with this team right now. Yeah, I, I, I agree. They haven't that. done it yet, but they're. Cl- it feels just closer. I mean, I mean, I wasn't here for so, like you know the twenty what was it thirteen Passner team. What was his best one? 2013? Yeah, Passner
4: had a team that. Kind of got screwed with seeding. Like it was a team that got an eight seed, but like if they would have seeded the tournament like they do now, like it would have been like a four seed. And so they kind of got screwed there. But yeah, I mean, I I think that's, uh, there were definitely, you know, there was a 31 and a 31 and 5 team that you could dream pretty big about. Uh, Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's, it's maybe, maybe that would be the example, but rather than, yeah, rather than, because the, the other difference for the Cal teams, like, it was building, building, building. Like you know, you go well, and, and multiple thing, lead aids, and then you add, then you add Derrick Rose. Pastor didn't play a schedule like this. <laughs>
0: like, let's just be real. No, none. No, I don't know if any Memphis coach has ever played a schedule
4: like this. Yeah, I mean Cal. I mean, it's maybe not as maybe not as uh, road heavy, but I mean, like it, this is kind of you know Cal would have to play a pretty brutal non-con. Because, you know, even CUSA, like, we talk about the American being bad. Like, that CUSA at that point was, like, bad, bad. Yeah, yeah. No, and the,
0: yeah, the American, you know, Florida Atlantic looks okay. and Tulane looks like they're frisky again. Um, may, maybe Wichita, maybe. I think they're in the top 100, technically, of the net. I, I don't know. But it feel, feels like this Memphis team could be on the cusp of another 30-win season.
4: Yeah, I think that's more than fair. All right, the other thing that you were – the other event of the weekend that you were at, you were at Friday night. Yep. I think the way I defined it this morning was I don't necessarily feel like like good for Dylan Brooks or like F that guy. I just thought like, – my, my answer was like hat tip, like res- respect. Like That was his big moment. You could tell like he made it into a very big game for him. And he delivered. I mean, in the second half, like, he played awesome. And I I just, that was kind of how I felt. It was like, hat tip. No, it all, and it felt, you know, I was glad
0: he got saluted by the crowd. He got some video montage, and, you know, the crowd gave him, you know, a standing ovation, you know, and it it wasn't over the top, but it also was, there was no booing or whatever. Like, I thought it was like, very appropriate for what his contributions to the franchise ultimately were. And you're right, for him, I mean arguably the greatest moment of his NBA career that game. I mean, I don't I mean I can't think of many others. The, the
4: Draymond the Draymond game yeah. after after the road That's trip true. from hell was a pretty big one. Because no, that true. was right after, that's like true. Draymond had you know gone off on him, called him out on
0: the yeah. podcast. Yeah, no, no, you're right. And he went like face to face with him, and he did the post game interview. Yeah. But, but I'll be honest, if I recall correctly, I don't think he shot the ball as well as he did. No, I think he only he had like seven.
4: I think he had seventeen in that game. Yeah, um,
0: but I mean, look, if if that version of Dylan appeared every game, uh, he'd be making a lot more than eighty or ninety million. You know, to be quite honest, of whatever he's getting from Houston right now, um, and the problem with Dylan has always been like those. You know, he's very streaky ultimately, and uh, but it was it was a good. You know, I was happy for him, I guess. You know, like it was nice talking to him, and like I appreciated that. Like, you know, he yes, he took he took a little shot at Memphis, saying essentially. Um, you know, I never want to lose him again, just to remind him they made a little mistake. But it's very clear his if he has issues, it's with, like, the front, front office. office. Yeah, yeah, I
4: agree.
0: He lo- Like, he wanted to – like, he made clear, you know, I thought it was a little awkward because he's standing in the locker room, in the small visitor's locker room with the Rockets. Like, he made it pretty clear, like, if it was up to him, he would have stayed in Memphis. Um, like, he, I don't think he wanted to leave. Uh, and so – And, you know, even before the game, he talked glowingly about how, you know, those years. And and when he put it like this, I kind of, you know, uh, you don't think about it like this often. But he like he was asked kind of what he's most proud of. And he's like, I'm most proud of, you know, us rebuilding the culture after Mike and Mark left. And he really was part of that, like a big part of that. And he deserves a lot of credit for that. And as he put it, like, I'll take that with me forever, I think is how he phrased it. And um, I don't know. It just was it, – it was nice to hear from him. And, and, you know, I think it helped that, you know, ultimately I, – I don't know if it helped. But, like, I thought that was a – I think I texted you this after the game and I tweeted it. Like, I thought that was a bad loss for the Grizzlies um,
4: on Friday. Yeah, I mean, you blow the – blow the 17-point like, lead. I don't know. I guess the way that I felt about it is was like – I don't know. Has it any different than like the other seventeen losses? Yeah,
0: well, they weren't up seventeen in those other losses, and they weren't going again. It, and it, was it felt the most the to guy me. You let go.
4: It felt you know, the most was, to me like the. I actually thought it was a worse. I thought it was a worse look for the front office than it was for the team. Yeah, yeah.
0: I mean, ultimately, yeah, the same
4: things that have become yeah.
0: issues all year were surfaced again. You know, ultimately, in that one, but you could just see from like the expression on, like, Jaron's face after the game and Dez's face after the game. Like, they were, you know, they were despondent after that. That one hurt, you know, just because it was Dylan doing the damage. And, you know, like, ultimately, uh, like you put it, you know, there haven't been, you know, like, yes, they're 6-18, and and out of those 18 losses, how many of those losses did you really feel like, man, they let that one get away? They're not very many. No,
4: it's like like two or three, yeah.
0: (laughs) And that was one of them, and, like, Ultimately, if we're looking at this in terms of, man, like as you, know, as you put it, the math is getting really hard for them, even with Ja coming back to really right this ship enough to get to the postseason. And it's like the math is getting hard because, you know, like, ultimately, when you have such small margin for error like they do right now with the injuries and the personnel situation, like letting those two or three that got away, like you can't let those get away, you know, ultimately when you're in this situation if you want to, like, Stay afloat, as we put it, and I think we can definitively say uh, here uh, they've got you know, they play tonight against Oklahoma City, but obviously we're 24 games through the n- n- you know, Jaws suspension. Didn't ne- never really felt like it- this was afloat, if you know what I mean. Like, I don't think they did a great job staying afloat. No, I, 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 know I think there's
4: a lot of like they didn't sink, it feels like they didn't sink to the bottom of the ocean, but like. They're gasping for air. Yeah. Right now. It's, like, some, I mean, somebody sending the rescue dive. Uh, I would say like they're rant. they're in a, they're in a life raft waiting on like the Coast Guard.
0: <laughs> yeah, yeah, they're waiting for Jaws coming in with
4: his joggles. Yeah, on, you know. <laughs> well, <laughs> and I mean, like I, I was kind of thinking about that. It's like you 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 want to try to not use revisionist history, and it's like Dylan. It felt like at a certain point, like, Dylan's mouth was writing checks that his body couldn't cash at the end. But I do think, like, maybe from his perspective, it's like certain amounts of the frustration could be, yeah, you know, is he innocent in this? No, but it's like it also feels like maybe there was, you know, some misplaced anger. Like, a lot of the problems they were were experiencing were, like, jaw-related. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of the things that applied to Dylan also applied to Ja. And I can see well, where you, like, feel frustrated because of that.
0: Well, and I also – but I also think this. the, the mis- You know, he he called want to the way he phrased it was, I want to make sure they re- remember they made a little mistake is how he phrased it after the game. You know, I want to keep – I don't ever want to lose to the Grizzlies because I want to make sure they remember they made a mistake. And the mistake was not letting Dylan go. It would have been – it would have been – Stupid to pay him ninety million dollars or eighty million dollars, whatever the Rockets are paying him. The mistake was they spent two years trying to find his replacement, and never did. Yeah, like that—that was the mistake. Like the mistake, you know, they had. Well, well, what will
4: define? What will end up defining whether or not it was a mistake? Like in the end, they made the choice, and you and I in real time said we we agree with the with the decision. Like they're making the bet that Marcus Smart is the better option than Dylan Brooks. That's That was what will determine it. Because in the end, I mean, what, Marcus yes. is making 20 plus million? No, yeah, no. It's him, but it's also, I mean, they, they tried to draft his replacement no, three like, times. Like, Mark, <laughs> or
0: they tried to trade for it. Yeah,
4: they offered their like, entire draft.
0: Yeah, like they, they, they failed. It wasn't that they let him go. It was that they failed to find an adequate replacement in time. And Marcus Smart kind of fell into their laps a little bit. It seems like remember you know, there was a box yeah. trade that had to happen in order for them to get him. Uh, and obviously that's, I, uh, you know, I know some people are down on him based on how he looked the first, whatever it was, 10, 15, however many games he played, 10, 15 games. I think I'm not ready to make any sort of conclusion on that front. Um, I also don't think he should be indispensable in trade talks as
4: you're looking to improve this roster. Um, no, but, I, I think I think we're all in agreement. The, what's becoming obvious at this point is there are three guys that are indispensable. After that, like, whatever you've got to do to retool, revamp, by all means, go for it. Yeah,
0: but I would like, you know, before you do that, no, I'd you, like I, to see... I, the, I
4: agree with you. I'm not judging Marcus Smart on games without Jaw because that's not what you traded for. What you traded yeah. for was to see what he looked like with Jaw. I'm with you completely. And it looks
0: like maybe, I mean... I don't know if he'll be back tomorrow night, but I think he's going to be back by the
4: end of the week. It
0: seems like Marcus Smart?
4: I mean, five on, five you on might have, five have talked to DeMichael. I I was just following DeMichael's Twitter account and DeMichael seemed to act like that the mood was the return is is sooner sooner rather than later. Wouldn't you say that that was the that was well, the tone? Jenkins,
0: Jenkins said that on Friday night. Like essentially, he did 5 on 5 Saturday. If he what. Well, I don't know if they've already put, they already listed him as out. My guess is he'll be listed as questionable for tomorrow night's
4: game would be my guess. Maybe try to like have his first game be Jaws first game, the TV game. Yeah, maybe,
0: or, or maybe it's the first, you know, it's Thursday night, you know, maybe that's what it is. Like he comes back on Thursday night, um, in Jaws first home game, uh, back. So, um, and then, you know, obviously we're, we're a day away from the John Morant debut. Um, and, uh, Good god, it can't get here fast enough. I know. It's it's exciting uh that we'll get to see him play basketball cuz I was thinking about it over the weekend just you forget just like how
4: you know, how much more fun he makes a basketball
0: game. Like it just <laughs> makes it so like <laughs> it makes it makes
4: the experience of turning the game on so much less painful. Well, he's just one of those guys. There's only like what, 10 to 20 guys like this in the league where
0: it's just like on any given play he can do something just crazy. And special, Um, and for all his faults off the court that have emerged over the last eighteen months, um, there's never been any problem with kind of his the the electricity that accompanies him anytime he touches the basketball court. Um, And I'm looking forward to that tomorrow night um, in New Orleans, and then Thursday uh, back here in Memphis against Indiana. Any final overreactions you got? Um, I saw Bruce Feldman talk to like the whole Big Ten, and everyone mm. thinks Alabama is going to crush Michigan. Uh.
4: <laughs> yeah. I'm in like this boat of like, man, like I know this sports books hope that that's not the case. Oh, and then the other thing I wanted to say, just I, I, what do we think
0: about this South Carolina running back committing to Memphis? Do you see this? Yeah, Feeling good. So, he yeah, had 700-something yards this year at South Carolina. All the South Carolina people aren't, like, bye. They're like, you made a mistake leaving going from South Carolina-Memphis.
4: But implicit in that criticism of him is, we kind of wish you had stayed. Yeah, so South Carolina had a mass exodus. Like, mm-hmm. a lot. And so, I don't know if that is the classic, Shane, we had a bad year, I'm going to turn the whole roster over. Um. Yeah. Good pick it's, up for Ryan, though. It, it's a good pickup. It's a good pickup for Ryan. I still think if, I think if Shane wanted him back, like, I'm not going to judge it based on the fan base. I judge it more now because there's, it, it you're appears. Telling me, you're telling me his three finalists, his three finals were USC and Oklahoma and Memphis, Jeffrey. You're telling me, you're telling me he didn't pick Memphis over those two? I, I would, I'd need to see more fine print. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It's like, no, I mean, it, Maybe they were
0: offering him just like, a scholarship. Like depth, yeah, you know what what I mean? Money, like,
4: so. you know, or like, hey, Memphis is saying that you can come and be the, the you know, you can be the guy. Oh, I'm sure that is what it is. I, I mean, mean, ultimately, if you look at what, his, at what he posted
0: on social media, like I think a big selling point is we've got all these NFL running backs. Look at what Blake Watson did coming in as a transfer this year. Um, but it seems like seemed like it was a good weekend for the Memphis football program in terms of the portal, especially. Um, so that yeah. that was good. I know that was that was also interesting um, to me, just seeing uh, Memphis football
4: retooling here. All right, buddy. Good luck with dad duty. All right, appreciate it. Thanks for holding the fort down. That is Mark Giannato. We come back. Let's get our attention back to the Tigers. Let's welcome Jason Munz to the program. We'll, we'll discuss Tomlin's status. We'll discuss his thoughts from the weekend and more when we come back, right here on Giannotto & Jeffrey, 92.9 FM.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road, the steeper the better. do something a little more
4: epic
3: and conquer it in the all-new hyundai santa fe visit hyundaiusa.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details hyundai there's joy in every journey
0: call from mom answer it call silenced
1: instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game that's why they make ordering from your couch easy
4: at rijewelers.com. Jason Munz is the Tiger Basketball beat writer for the Commercial Appeal. He's on Twitter at Munzly. Joins us each and every Monday on the program. Munz, what are we listening to? Only the Rolling Stones. Mm-hmm.
2: Uh, can't, you, can't you hear me knocking, Jeffrey? Are you a Stones guy?
4: I'm a, I'm a can't-you-hear-me-knocking guy. Can't like you this? hear me knocking? So I suppose Wait. this is, can't the, can the country... Here, the Tigers knocking.
2: Yeah, uh, either that or, uh, or uh, you know, um, uh, a six a ten former Kansas State uh, impact guy, maybe uh, saying that to, you know, sort of, sort of sending
4: that message uh, out to Tiger Nation. So let's start there. What is the latest status that you can give us? Uh, I think every, I think the
2: expectation, I know the expectation is that um, he'll be available tomorrow night against Virginia. Now, I don't, I, I, I should, there's a caveat there. There's a difference the between ex- being ex- available and play. <laughs> well, that is true. That is true. But uh, the biggest caveat is that is the expectation. Yeah. It's not necessarily what's going to happen. But um, based on what I'm hearing and, and things that I'm being told, uh, the, the, Um, everything's lined up uh, pretty well for that to happen, for him to be, uh, for Naquan Tomlin to be um, available. Uh, Will he play? That remains to be seen. Um, I think if I know Penny Hardaway, uh, like I, the coach, like I think I do, um I'd be surprised if we didn't see him at least for a little bit uh, against Virginia tomorrow night. So you know, first thing first though, it has to become official. It has to you know it has to all the all the ink has to dry and everything's got to be posted and and um, every uh, button has to be clicked uh, for him to officially be ready to go. but I think that is, like I said, that's the expectation.
4: Obviously this is a unique situation and there were, you know, lots of teams that were coming after him, but was this one of like the fastest recruitments you could think of? And I understand yep. circumstances kind of dictate that.
2: Sort of. I mean, you know, yeah, he's been, you know, the arrest, uh, that, that got him dismissed or, um, uh, you know, led, I guess led to his dismissal ultimately, um, happened in October, so this sort of thing has sort of been you know, at least uh, trending in this direction for a little while, maybe, but um, it only did just officially happen last week? Was it last week? Or the week four? If, maybe I it felt like
4: it wasn't the end of the week before.
2: Yeah, that's right. So, uh, but even still, I mean, for a guy of, of Naquan Tomlin's um, ability and profile and uh, just desirability um, for it to for it to go this quickly and I mean as you said circumstances various circumstances like you know he doesn't want to draw this out wherever yeah. he's going to go he wants to go and get there and be ready and start playing and all that stuff but um, but yeah I uh, I was I was somewhat surprised that it moved as quickly as it did. And then, you know, you talk to certain people and, uh, you find out that, um, that, you know, uh, some people around here know what they're doing and,
4: uh, and, and are good at what they do. And, uh, and there you go. I think the other thing that makes it unique is it feels like compared to other years where you're looking for like, you you you've got you've got drama and you're trying to look for something stabilizing I think the thing that makes this year different is it doesn't feel like you need him to come and save everything but nope. it, it feels like he is going to add and he solves a problem that you've been having which is front court and I, I think that's kind of what makes this situation unique is the fact that it feels like the Tigers through this point in the calendar like more times than not they've shot themselves in the foot this team has not shot themselves in the foot it just feels like this is an added bonus as you head into conference play.
0: I mean
2: this, so I'm just going to try to say this as diplomatically. Um, well, just as like you know, plainly as possible. I don't want to. I don't want I don't want to go. This is. I, I don't believe I am. This is hyperbole. Um, he is a. I think I, he's a difference maker um but i think he i like i don't think he's a game changer i think he's potentially a season changer and this is not necessarily me talking this is people that i've spoken to not only here but outside of here um who who believe that he has a chance to have an impact that that you know Could reverberate into April. Let's just say, Um, obviously, once you get to March, it becomes largely a crapshoot. You know, matchups and momentum and health and luck and all those sorts of things go into. You know, obviously, not the the best team doesn't always the most talented team doesn't always win. But that being said, it's it's hard to overstate exactly what Naquan Tomlin. Brings to this team, and and I should also add to that, you may not see it right away. Sure, you you may not necessarily see it right away. This is a guy who hasn't played since March in a game. He has not practiced in a team setting since August. Okay, so it you know you you got to give him a little bit of grace. It's a new coach. It's a new system. It's it's new city. All that stuff. New teammates. But by the time it's all said and done. I mean, and I've been saying this from the beginning, he, like, it's almost like you've dropped DeAndre Williams back into, yeah. into Penny's lap. I mean, he's more raw than DeAndre Williams, but he's more athletic, he's longer, he's younger, he's... Uh, better I mean, pro, better pro than, profile? Yeah, like, I say, like, higher upside, ultimately, yeah. I think, than DeAndre Williams. Like, like... I say younger. He's he's 23, so he's still, you know, an older, uh, somewhat experienced guy, but um, he's not 27. But, uh, like, that's sort of the caliber of player we're talking about here. He's done this on a big stage. Last year they made it to the Elite Eight. He played very well in the NCAA tournament last year for Kansas State. So, um, yeah, this has the potential to be one of those things that's not just like Okay, now we're correcting. We're like, we're we're you know this is going to solve our problem. No, this is going to elevate us. Uh, And I say us when I'm saying I'm talking about the tigers. This is going to elevate the tigers to a, or it should elevate the tigers to a level that, uh, at least on paper,
4: from a talent perspective, uh, very few teams are going to be able to match up with. It is the other reason why so many feel that way, it, it is also a position of need. like You know what I mean? It's yeah. not It's not only do you add a, a fit, but you add a fit in a place that y- you did need a little, you need some reinforcement, if you will.
2: Without a doubt. Um, now, I, now, that being said, I don't think he's going to play as much five as people think he is. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes, he's 6'10". Yes, he averaged two blocks a game in the NCAA tournament last year, and whatever it was, five or six rebounds or whatever. He can play the five. He's capable of playing five. And the other part of this is, you know, he he's six ten, but he's also two ten. So he's built for uh he can bang down low. But I think that Memphis is probably going to by the time it's all said and done, I think he's gonna have played more three four than more than than five. So uh now Again, taking that into consideration, I still think he brings something to the table that you're kind of sort of missing right now, or at the very least don't have enough of. And um, and so, yes, you take all that into consideration and you're talking about a really, really big impact. What did you see Saturday that you liked? Uh, you know... Uh well I mean you know Malcolm Dandridge played out of his mind especially on defense um 9 rebounds including the one that sealed the victory when they when, you know when everybody in the building knew that uh Clemson was trying to miss that last free throw and
4: you I know, will say this though uh, I know that was a great rebound by Malcolm I was impressed with that was like a pretty effective miss of yeah. the of the free throw because at first when it happened live my dad and I were watching we're like that should have been lane violation, I don't think it was like I think he like he threw it hard at the rim and he didn't move until it hit the rim like i was I was like, man, that was kind of impressive,
2: yeah, yeah, I was watching it back too, and I was taking i was i i noticed that like not only avoiding the lane violation but but like almost like a quick pitch, yeah, uh, you know, just flicking it up there toward the rim, um. And it just it it just didn't hit the rim quite right, and Malcolm got higher than everybody. Yeah, Uh, and so no, but like his the job that he did on the shot clock violation, you know helped force uh, the shot clock violation. Jaquan Jaquan Walton, uh, you know who is really in a slump from from an offensive standpoint coming up and hitting those two big free throws late when nobody else could hit one. <laughs> David Jones was missing free throws late. Uh, Caleb Mills was missing free throws late. But so, you know, and, and, and of course the play where Malcolm, uh, poked the ball out away from yeah. PJ hall. And then, you know, did this, uh, type tight, tight rope. I still ball. can't believe he stayed down. Balance. No, I mean, it was, it really was, uh, really, really very impressive. It almost made the shot. I know. Um, <laughs> you know almost made the up and under uh yeah like he he played out of his mind but you know from a from a big picture standpoint i thought jake uh javon quinterly probably pointed it out like he 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 bottom lined it for everybody yes they shot 4 of what was it 26 4 of 26 from 3 from, from 3 and yet it didn't, it didn't affect them on the defensive end. They didn't, they didn't just sort of like get up in their feelings or get frustrated or, you know, just be like, Oh, we can't hit anything. We're just, you know, we're just going to pack it in. Um, They continued to play hard on defense. Quinterly himself held Joe Girard to just eight points, which, He's their second leading scorer. He's a phenomenal three point shooter. And Javon Quinterly, who's not known necessarily for his defense, did a really good job on him. Um, so, and then the turnovers. They, only, they yeah. only turned it over six times.
3: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.